Hi everyone, what's your highlight of the week? Thank you for joining us again tonight. This is MIT podcast. MIT stands for Mindset into Transformation. I'm Benjamin Huang, your host tonight. Here we have conversation with people who have done extraordinary things in their life, how their mindset shift to help them achieve it. We discuss their story of success and the mindset that drive them into achieving the impossible. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. Hi, good evening. What's your highlight of the week? Thank you for joining us again tonight. Welcome to our Mindset into Transformation podcast. I'm Benjamin Huang,、uh, your host tonight. Here we have conversation with people who have done extraordinary things in their life. We discuss their story of success and mindset drive them into achieving the impossible. Today, I'm excited to welcome John Kingholz joining us. John is the founder of Robot Inc. Marketing and a, and also a very seasoned real estate investor. How are you, John? Good, good. Thanks for having me.、Um, before we we jump into it, is there any Any highlight point that you would want、um, our audience to know about you? Ah,、uh, you know, I think just that I have been real estate investing for a number of years now.、Um, so I didn't just start a year or two ago. I've been at this、uh, for the last over ten years now, and just a lot of the stuff that I've learned along my journey has、uh, transformed how I've done things and just gotten me to where I am. Great, great. Um, so I,、um, what what kind of real estate are, are you doing? And and if it's a little a touch on the geographic、um, location of like where you do the real estate. So if you almost have to break apart the real estate、uh, that I'm doing into different buckets, but the the biggest goal、um, for me as a real estate investor is buy and hold for my own portfolio.、Uh, ultimately, at the end of the day. It takes cash flow to live, and the way that、um, the way that you're able to achieve financial freedom in real estate is、uh, getting that cash flow to the point where it's not just there every month, but it's very stable, and the portfolio that it's coming from is stable. So that's kind of the first bucket of real estate,、um, and those properties are. Primarily in Wisconsin,、uh, we keep drawing the circle around where we live a little bit bigger. I drove three hours on Friday、uh, to a closing, so that's one that's probably the furthest away at this point up in northern Wisconsin. But、um, those buy and holds, we are a little bit more strategic with in just making sure that they contribute to the portfolio outside of the.、Uh, Buy and hold real estate.、Uh, we found a niche of、uh, doing what we were doing with a small pivot of just finding really good deals. So we started doing wholesaling.、Uh, we started doing deal finding for other people, and、um, that's kind of the other、uh, piece of real estate that we've been doing. And that we do all over the country. We'll find、um, we find deals, you know, all over the place. I see. So basically, you're. You're doing your your own、um, real estate portfolio at the same time. Since you can't buy it every day, you you'll just、um, you know、uh, specialize in sourcing deal and, and kind of、um, helping other real estate investor, right? Yeah, and the stuff that we buy for ourselves too, we only keep the best of the best. So we don't buy so-so deals. We buy、uh, we buy those properties that people say that are out there that、um, 
people always say, you know, you'll never find something like that, and those are what we're buying. Mm. You want to give us a a bit touch on um, how how you guys source the deal and 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 what kind of system that's that you put in place to you know guarantee the deal that you're getting is a Greensland deal. Yeah. So uh, you know, the first thing is if you want to find good deals and you're a real estate investor, you're probably already familiar that you're going to really struggle to find deals just listed on the market. Um, we started our real estate investing journey out of the last recession, and we bought some really good deals on the market in the last uh, recession 10 years ago, but those quickly dried up, and that led us to just thinking that we're going to have to come up with something better. Um, so what was that? And that started out with uh, data. So we started making lists that we could um, contact the people. So I would spend time just going and scouring public records or trying to figure out creative ways to make lists. And I would print off these lists. And just like everyone else, we would sit at the kitchen table and handwrite envelopes at night. And um, that actually worked. So we started finding deals. But uh, what we did is... Then uh, we had to scale up. We couldn't send enough mail. And that's where we ended up ultimately building some of uh, our mail machines that we use to handwrite the envelopes. So we're really big on uh, using data to find people. But then you also need a delivery mechanism. Uh, once you once you do uh, find that data, like you need a delivery mechanism to get to those people. And uh, we just love mail the most for a number of reasons. Yeah, so that kind of had a great you know exposures on on how and and when and why you're kind of doing your your own business you want to give us a, a, a little more background on on you know what what your company's um you know service you know people's and and what what kind of uh value that your customer can can get from your business yes we kind of have a couple businesses going on so the ones where we find those off market deals ourselves and, you know, do wholesales, do uh, do a variety of strategies. Um, those are a little bit uh, more exclusive. You know, we work with new people all the time, but we're hesitant sometimes or we're, we're a little bit more cautious because when you find a really good off-market deal, we want to make sure people can follow through and actually close those when we're partnering up. Not wholesaling. Those. Yeah. Um, mm. So that's the one side of the business. And I would encourage anyone to reach out to me if they're interested in, you know, more info on any of the stuff. The other side is robotic marketing. And that's where we took just the mail product at this point that we have. And we took it to the retail space. Uh, our, our mailers are a little bit unique in that they're not flashy. Um, they, they are something that stands apart and works because it doesn't stand out. So it's, we use number 10 security window envelopes, uh, we use a machine to yeah. handwrite the uh, address on the envelope. And then we actually don't handwrite the letter. So we found that the response rates were about the same. And at this point, we are strong believers that it's uh, easier to read and achieves a higher um, success rate when it's a printed letter inside. Uh, just because mm. a sloppily handwritten letter, people are turned away from uh, reading because it's just too much work to read. Exactly, exactly. And I mean, it's, uh, now that everybody just receiving a lot of, you know, uh, mails and, 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 uh, for those that, that looks, um, you know, obvious to, to, to be, you know, ad, we'll just basically skip that, right? Right in the trash. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, this 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 sounds like um, you you have established basically uh, something that 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 can you know uh, uh, maintain the way that that you uh, systematically you know receiving deals, right? I mean, um, machine uh, printings, you know, with 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 those with those you know handwritten. Ink, do do um do you want to give give us a little understanding on how it works, and um like like how hard it was initially when you you know develop those things, I kind of just get a touch on your entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, so if you wind the clock back way to when I was a kid, I've always had that entrepreneurship uh kind of spirit in my blood, and I think that's having that at a young age really has helped fuel everything in my life just because I'm always uh, always looking for different ways to solve problems. Um, so when I was in high school, uh, kind of towards the end of high school, I actually started selling business telephone equipment. And yeah, it's like something that's so random. You never would think that, uh, think about it, but it was so easy for me to sell online. No one knew my age. Um, you know, if they knew they were buying from a 18 year old, I'm sure people maybe wouldn't have bought as much, but no one knew how old I was because I could sell it on the internet. And this stuff was practically free. Uh, I was able to, uh, basically just scour the, with a driving distance of myself from Craigslist from, um, you know, variety sources. And I, I found some bigger suppliers then later on, but it was kind of junk to one company and I could turn around, clean it up and sell it. So that started my entrepreneurship journey. Uh, I had W2 job along the way then as an adult. Um, but ultimately what drove the mail machines was the problem solving of we could not write enough mail, uh, mailers ourselves. And I think that we broke that problem down into a bunch of little sub problems, um, to solve because we were already doing data and building our lists. So we wanted to build a machine that was fully integrated. So our real, uh, thing at this point in house when we find deals is, uh, we build these, we have these homemade machines that we've built, uh, and. A homemade? Yeah, yeah, we actually, uh, build them. So I have one that's cool. half built behind me even, um, oh, that wow. I brought, but yeah, so like the new ones, all the wiring and everything we do inside, and. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a self contained unit. This one hasn't gotten the computer or some of the final, um, stuff on the top, but. Yeah, we do build these right. in-house. Um, they do have a touchscreen on the front and then an input cool. device and then also some indicator lights so we can see if they're having problems. Um, Did you guys need to build, you know, the, uh, the the library for the front, for the wording as well? Um, you uh, For, like, the font we put on the letters? Yeah, yeah. So it's actually based on a font that we purchased, but we modified it quite a bit, so... Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So like our real benefit that, or the problem we were solving was that we wanted to not be messing around with a bunch of different fragmented systems to do whatever our mail process was. Right. So at this point we connect a barcode scanner to these things and everything's barcoded. It's, it's kind of like a mini Amazon warehouse. We have these bins everywhere. Um, but from the time that we identify, we want to send mail at this point. Um, we have a, a very well built homemade system that we kind of do our data mining in and data processing. Mm -hmm. Couple of mouse clicks and we can have a lot of mail out the door. So uh, then when people call in, 
because uh, obviously people respond to the mail we send, so we take the calls ourselves. We don't outsource that. Uh, I have other business partners uh, upstairs that take the calls. They're inputting everything into that same system we built. Um, and then the next time we go to send mail, if someone said, you know, they're not interested in receiving mail or uh, we need to push them down a different channel, like everything's in that one system. So we're not having to go and put things in 17 different systems. Outsource. Highly mm-hmm. effective. Yeah. And, um, you yeah. know, it's been very successful for us just from taking and breaking all those problems into making it one, uh, Unified kind of process that we use. Did 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 this uh, uh, system and you know new method that that you put together uh, like end up give you a skyrocketing you know uh, response rate or you know num- like give give us uh, ideas on how much mail you need to send out and how much uh, typically you would get in return and with this improved system how much of improvement that we're we're seeing. So we see a very high response rate on mail. Uh, I've talked to a number of people that have tried mail. They send 100 pieces of mail. They don't get any response, and they're very discouraged. And it doesn't work that way with mail. It's really a volume play. So, um, And what I mean by that is... Number of games. Yeah, you you have to be committed to... If you're going to start on direct mail, you really have to be committed and have a long-term mindset just because you... You have to hit people over and over. Uh, so I would say at least to get started, you should think about a minimum of 1,000 to 1,500 in a database or a list that you would want to send. And then also sending to that list multiple times. So don't just send it to one send wow. you know, letter to them, and then the next month send another letter. Um, sometimes we've sent people 15 letters before they call us, but at the end of the day, they do call us. From a metric standpoint, data standpoint, um, since we are so big on data, for the stuff that we do, I look at it a little bit different way. So, so many people say, I sent out a thousand mailers. I got, um, for really round numbers here, I got uh, 50 people to call me. So, that would be a 5% response rate. Um, and that would even be really high. So, let's say two, let's say 20 people call. That would be a 2% response rate. Um, so that's how a lot of people track it. We actually track it a different way. So in our system, we have, uh, let's say we have 10,000 people in a subset list that we want to contact. We look at it as we have 10,000 real humans there, real people, not entities, not, you know, properties. We have 10,000 people. We want to get a response from those people. And we hammer those people over and over and over again with mail until they either tell us to take us off. Um, you know, we get the call and take me off your list or, um, you know, unless something else happens, but those people all have assets that we are very interested in buying. And, uh, what we track is how many of those people have reached out to us. So in Wisconsin, where I live, uh, we've gotten a little bit uh, or we've gotten in the mid 12% right now. It's, it's getting close to 13, but in the mid 12%. So 12, uh, 12 and a half ish percent of those people that we've wanted to contact have in some form reached out to us. So that's how we wow. look at it. This is, this is, uh, this is a pretty good number, right? I mean, 12 and a half. I mean, that, that, that can mean like what? 12, 12 deals, 12, um, you know, off market great deals, right? So that's twelve and a half percent. So uh, that's actually hundred. Yes, yeah, so that's hundreds of people that have um, 
actually, I think it's in the, it's over a thousand, uh, you know, people that have reached out to us in Wisconsin that own those assets. Mm, I see. And so basically you guys get to enjoy the, you know, the, the first, first line, like, like first line of, you know, filtering the deals, right? Getting the best of the best. That's what we're after. Yeah. And those people all call us. And if, you know, something we want to buy uh, at this point, we'll buy it. Otherwise, we go and find someone to partner with or find some creative strategy to use. Because, mm. uh, you know, that's something else, I guess, too, is anyone doing direct mail, I would, let's say you're a buy and hold investor, uh, kind of like I was when I got started, and you're not doing wholesaling, you're not doing flipping, you're not doing other, other uh, strategies. I would recommend that you go and network and find some of those people that are, because you're going to find other deals. And this applies to not just direct mail, but so many other marketing strategies in real estate. You're going to go and find deals that you're not interested in, but someone else is. And, you know, obviously you want to make some money yourself on those. But at the end of the day, we've had some deals where there was nothing left on it. And just out of goodwill, um, just to help both parties, we just gave it to someone. And I ideally, you don't want to do that. But at the end of the day, uh, the positivity there is that you're just helping other people. Um, someone needs to sell. You have motivated sellers and someone's hungry to buy. So if you can bring those parties together, it's a win. Mm, I see. Great. Um, so, uh, I guess you're, de you're dealing with, uh, residential, um, real estate most of the time, right? Like, like single family, uh, you know, uh, duplex and, and, and things like that. Or are you also dealing with, you know, much larger uh, apartment complex. We do it all at this point. So I would actually say, if anything, we're less and less on the houses at this point. The houses have gotten so competitive just in the current market um, that we've shifted to bigger multifamily commercial. Uh, we own some commercial property ourselves, too. It's not just all multifamily residential. Um, so, yeah, we pretty much mail it all at this point if we think there's opportunity. Land is about the only thing I don't uh, specifically mail for. Mm, I see. I see. Cool. Cool. So, um, let's, uh, bring the topic back a little. Um, uh, let's, let's talk about your, you know, very first day joining, you know, the, the crowd, um, you know, uh, invest in, in real estate. What, what, um, kind of, what's, what's the aha moment for you to, you know, start buying and, and, and what, what kind of mindset that, that you had at the time of, of buying? Um, do you want my do you want my first deal or do you just want a deal? Well, uh, I mean, um, I, I like either way, like which whichever you uh, you think that would be, you know, most inspiring, right? Uh you know, I have a lot of really recent ones, but one the actual very first duplex we brought um, was a pretty good one. I could give you a couple of them. So the first duplex we bought uh, coming out of the last recession, you know, it was really exciting because it was our first property. The first property for anyone is the hardest. Um, and when we purchased it, I, I purchased it with my brother. Uh, my brother and I started this rental property journey together. And we were so, we had that mindset of that we knew in the long run that this was going to pay off. And, and I think that going in before we ever bought our first property, just with this isn't a get rich quick thing that, you know, we're going to, buy and hold these for a long time. Uh, that really felt great um, because it it just, we went in with the right expectations that it was going to work out. And it felt so good to buy that first property. 
just again because it was the first one. Nowadays, uh, you know, another one is we purchased a 12 unit on Friday. Uh, we drove three hours, but again, it was a killer deal. Uh, we got over 150,000 in equity that we, um, we got at closing because we purchased it undervalued. Uh, it was under rented. So, um, in a couple months, it'll be doing about 3,500 to 4,000 a month in cash flow. And, um, we also did it at, as part of a 1031. So we sold a house that we had and we purchased, uh, a larger, uh, 12 unit. So we didn't have to put much down. So it's, um, it was really a high point to be able to do some of the more complicated. Uh, it really feels great to do some of the more complicated transactions now that, uh, ultimately are helping us with our long-term goal of just cash flow. Mm-hmm. So your longer term, um, do you see yourself getting into, you know, much larger deals or do you guys just care about the cash flow as long as you keep expanding the portfolio? You know, at the end of the day, we are going to get into bigger deals. Uh, but we do just kind of want to, we want to make sure that we grow our portfolio responsibly. And I'm still young, uh, even though I, I, I guess I, I am, but I'm not, I'm, uh, I'm 36. So I'm, I'm young, but I'm old. Uh, you know, I, I guess as I'm still young where I have a lot of years ahead, but I, I'm old to the point where I don't want to lose it all and have to start over. So we, we're growing, but in a very responsible way, our own portfolio. I see. Sounds good. Is um so in uh you're working with your your uh your brothers um you know the entire ways on your on your real estate investing journey. Yeah, so I started uh with my brother, and then now we have one other business partner as well. That uh, actually we we actually kind of have a second uh fourth person total in our group now. Um, just recently we started buying a couple things with, but. Yeah, like our goal is to um, keep it kind of small and close and not, right now, just not have a, a huge complicated um, portfolio. I see. Because um, many of our, of our audience, they, they, they may be the first uh, beginners who are, you know, looking to get into real estate. Is there any, uh, you know, uh, thought, suggestions or kind of, uh, mindset that you would um, recommend people to get into before they purchase their very first real estate deal? Yeah, so I would say if from the buy and hold perspective, if you're going to be a buy and hold real estate investor, you really need to make sure that you're not thinking you're going to get rich quick. Um, that would be the big thing. Also, I would give advice of not buying for appreciation. So many people now are, I feel like, um, buying saying it's gonna it's gonna go up next year it's gonna go up next year and like i think that's just a bad risky thing to count on sure real estate historically goes up and over you know 50 years it'll probably be up but i just with all the unknowns it's i think a bad idea to buy purely on um that and then just enjoy the journey would be my other uh my other piece of advice is you know, just have fun doing it. If you're not having fun doing it, maybe real estate investing isn't for you. But uh, make sure you're having fun along the way doing it and enjoying um, it. Because otherwise, when you do have problems, there it's just going to be miserable for you. Yeah, it, 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 exactly. I mean, it's, it, it's uh, almost like a lifestyle that, that you would enjoy doing, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, if, you know, in, 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 in 2008, there's a lot of people are just... just um, Looking to buy and not, and and kind of expecting the price will rise and things like that, 
right? But um, real estate is certainly not a, a, a get rich quick, you know, game. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um. So, uh, your personal in- investing experience over the year. Um, is there anything that you want to highlight for the best and worst moment that you have ever encountered? Um. Yeah. So I would say the one of the best. Truly best uh, moments was handing everything over to a property manager. So we don't manage any of our own properties anymore. Uh, That's a big part. Yeah. I had a W-2 job. I was, you know, managing with my brother and it was every night it felt like we were doing stuff. So we'd go work our day jobs and then every evening we were out fixing rental property issues. And it just got to the point where it was just too much. Um you know, another highlight too would be the, this was before we hand the stuff over to property managers, but we reached the point where we realized we kind of, I don't want to say we woke up one day, but we got done with a, a renovation we were doing and it just kind of hit us that, wow, like our portfolio is really generating a lot of cash flow. And it was mm-hmm. kind of when we um, stopped, I think, doing those renovations and just took a little bit of a break. We really saw, uh, saw it. I mean, we sort of knew it was there all along and we knew that it was going to happen, but it really just hit us. That was a great moment just seeing that, wow, we did it. Uh, How many years was it? It took us five, six years to get to that point where it kind of hit us that like, that's, it's that's legit. Not bad. Yeah, and I, I'm not talking like $200 a month. We had uh, it was like five or $6,000 a month that we were doing very yeah. consistently stable and that was a great feeling, you know, I, we always had those little cash flow, like we saw it along the way building up, but like, it wasn't anything that was, um, change your lifestyle. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, the, the, the moment that your cash flow exceed your, your W2 or whatever you uh, living quality need or living standard need, that's the magic moment. Right? And I wouldn't even say exceed it, but where it's just a, in your mind, what's, uh, I don't want to say big chunk, but like, uh, you know, it's like just enough that makes you excited to see it every month where, you know, if you have a W2 job and you're making $100,000 a year, if you're making $100 a month off a real estate portfolio, you're not going to be excited about that. But um, just when you start to see thousands of dollars a month, you know, you get excited. So I think it's not necessarily about uh, replacing the full W2 income as the win. It's just when you hit that point where you're excited to see that it all worked. Mm, great, great. So in terms of uh, property management, I, 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 I find it interesting. So, uh, uh, right. I mean, a, a lot of people are kind of do it themselves. Right. Um, but like, like how did, how did your mindset shift? And also um, like, like how, how you initially approach the, you know, getting your portfolio handed to uh, property management and also what kind of thing that you would let people, you know, uh, watch out to, you know, when, when they are thinking about transitioning everything to property management? That's a great question. So uh, I, I feel like I don't even know where to quite start. So with property management, uh, for new investors, I still for 99% of people would highly recommend for a year or two at least go and manage your own properties because it gives you insight into what it actually takes uh, it, at a real intimate level. If 
you just go and buy a property and day one hand it off to a property manager. Um, if you're, I, I should say too, if, if you're buying like duplexes and stuff, I would do this. If you're going to go buy a huge apartment complex, you probably want professional management. But yeah, if you're buying duplexes or smaller assets, uh, manage them so you just learn the ins and outs. Learn that, you know, what leases look like, what, um, you know, what, how it all works, how showings work, all that stuff, just going through the motions. And then when you do hand stuff over to a property manager, you understand a lot more about what they're going through. So when they, you know, haven't leased a place in three weeks, you can think back to that time. That was kind of tough to, you know, rent in that area. Um, and you just give a little bit more respect, I think, for it. Uh, from a mindset standpoint, we were reaching the point where we just couldn't do it anymore. It was just too much. Uh, but what we did is we didn't hand everything over overnight. We took uh, one or two properties uh, and we started with those. So we went and interviewed some different property managers. We found one that we really liked and we didn't want to be a number, I guess. So one of our criteria was we have a lot of really big property managers in town and we didn't just want to be a number when we called so many of them. I felt like we would just be a, you know, number in their system. It went, there was no real relationship and we wanted to be able to actually call uh, someone and talk to them on like on a first name basis regularly if we had issues or questions. And we found that we loved it uh, within a year or so. Then we transitioned everything over to that one property manager at the time. Uh, now, since we own stuff geographically spread out, we're working with four different property managers, uh, but it's really turned into just managing the managers at this point and coming up with systems to uh, deal with that versus managing the tenants this is this is interesting, right? I mean, most people would choose to um, choose, uh, you know, those larger apartments uh, or you know the property management company because they have you know system in place, team, and things like that. Um, it, it it it's a it's a quite interesting approaches. I mean, what what were you guys considering, you know, in terms of you know uh, picking someone that you can you can trust, you can you know personally build relationship with. And, and, and now you kind of have portfolio over, uh, the, the country. Um, how do you still maintain those kind of relationships? Do you still, uh, interview a lot of people to, to pick one person that you really like and, and, and start from there? We still do a little bit of that. And it's also a referrals, uh, thing where it's, we talk to other investors, um, because we market so much to buy properties, we often, have a lot of conversations with a lot of different investors about uh, property management. And we've kind of learned who are the good, who maybe to avoid um, and the quirks because they all do it a little bit differently. So it's, you know, about finding someone that's a good fit uh, and it's truly never passive. Uh, that's the other thing is like, even with having property managers, you would think it's completely hands off, but it's really not. You still have to check on, uh, or still want to review like your monthly reports and some of the, the stuff they send out. They do send questions. Uh, usually there's a repair threshold. So if they, if there's a big repair that needs to be done, they'll uh, contact you before doing it. And then finally too, you still want to drive by those properties. So you own these properties. And in my opinion, um, at least like once a quarter, it's, um, it's smart to just go drive by, you know, all your properties. The ones in town here, I used to do once a month, uh, and I've gotten more towards that quarter mark. Um, but 
again, you own this real asset, and I think it's good to just drive by and make sure it's, you know, there's not trash in the lawn. It's just kind of still being managed to your standards. Right, right, exactly. Good. Well, I mean, um, uh, today we've gone through a lot of great content, great stuff. Um, I, I really appreciate your time, John. Um, before we wrap up, uh, is there any uh, do's and don'ts that, in general, you, you want to give out to our audience, you know, in terms of business, you know, and entrepreneur uh, journey, and also, you know, in, investing? Yeah, I guess I, I would have a couple things. The first one is just, I would say, if you're young and looking to get into real estate or business, the best thing I think you can do is just go and start doing something. And uh, what I mean by that is, like, I went and sold telephone equipment when I was young. That was the best business 101 boot camp ever because you're actually doing it. You're learning, uh, you're learning this stuff firsthand. And I think things like accounting and some of the basic business um, stuff that I learned then, it, it was so fundamental to our success later on just because it's, I just understood it. It wasn't something I had to go learn. So as I got into bigger and bigger business ventures, um, a lot of this foundation that I built was so solid. Um, so I would totally suggest building that solid foundation. Uh, and again, I think that's something that you shouldn't outsource completely, like even accounting. I think while you can outsource bookkeeping and some of those things, it's really valuable if you understand how to truly read financial statements. I'm not just talking about like you made this much money in the month, but truly understand, uh, like a statement of cash flow and, you know, how to read a balance sheet, uh, just so you really can follow everything uh, and it makes sense to you and you understand it. Um, one other quick thing is right. I would just say in business, I think you really see success by taking small pivots based on what is working and what you're doing. So, uh, for example, we had uh, real estate that we owned. We wanted to find more deals. So we started, you know, doing the mail and then it was a small pivot, to, uh, like building our own lists to handwriting envelopes to then it was a little bit of a bigger pivot to building mail machines. But again, it was just a pivot. Once we had mail machines, it was a pivot to start robotic marketing because we were already doing it for ourselves. It was a spinoff. So I think small pivots uh, based on success are really a great way in business to see bigger success. And then if something doesn't work, you just kind of go back and try a different one. Great advice. Great advice. I, I, I really appreciate those. And for, for the audience who, you know, just thinking about, you know, getting into, you know, business world or start investing, right? Start something small and start making some mistakes because that's how we learn. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Uh, lastly, but um, is there any recommended books that you would um, want to point out uh, that have influenced you the most? I would probably have to say it's probably the most popular one out there, Rich Dad Poor Dad. Uh, I think it is such a great book just because it really opens your eyes, especially if you've never been an investor. Uh, I grew up with family members that had rental properties. So like I was kind of exposed to it a little bit at a young age, but it just really cemented all those uh, concepts in my mind. Uh, so I would totally recommend Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Sounds good. This, this has been a, a popular books um, that, that our guest has been, you know, um, recommended. Um, so um, how can people find you, John? Probably the best way is with email. So, just email me, John, J-O-H-N, at roboticmarketing.com. Um, otherwise, find... We will include a link down below um, and include in the notes. 
So awesome. Yeah, I'm not so you're I'm not super active on Instagram either, but uh, you know, Instagram's another way to um, to reach out to me, and then also robotic marketing uh, on Instagram. Mm, I see. So how how about the the the, the uh, service that you guys are offering? I mean, uh, the the mail marketing are are you guys offering to to the public? Yeah, so robotic marketing is um, kind of the retail product of our mail, where you can send us your list and we'll do your mail for you. So robotinkmarketing.com, um, all one word, is the best place to get started there. Uh, either you can check out online or just set up an appointment to book a call with um, someone in sales. Sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, John, um, let me thank you again. I, I really appreciate your time um, and all the great content uh, advice that you that you gave. Those are extremely valuable to 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 me and also to all the audience here. Really appreciate it. Thanks for joining again. Yeah, absolutely.